Hello and welcome. I am Beverly Clark, the Computing at School National Community Manager, and in this CAS Inspire story, we will be shining a light on another inspiring educator, Shanila Saeed, in which she will be asked to share what has led her to a career in education, her hopes for the profession, her successes, challenges faced, and how these have been overcome, along with tips for new entrants into the profession, and how to encourage a diverse and inclusive learning environment. I hope you enjoy listening and consider joining Computing at School afterward. Today's guest, as I mentioned, is Shanila. Welcome, Shanila. Hi, Beverly. Thank you. So I'll give you a short biography of Shanila. So with over 20 years of experience in computing education, Shanila has seen the changes to the computing curriculum from many different perspectives. As a teacher and head of department, she led her department's transition from ICT to computing years ahead of government change. In 2014, Shanila joined UK, which is the UK Interactive Entertainment Association, to become Head of Education and Director for the National Digital Schoolhouse Programme. She's also the author of the book, Hacking the Curriculum, Creative Computing and the Power of Play, a book that uses play-based learning to teach computing. Additionally, she has just added to her authoring and her writing portfolio with her latest book, How to Raise a Tech Genius, Develop Your Child's Computing Skills Without Spending Any Money. This introduces computer science concepts using only household objects. Shanila, this sounds fascinating and it's highly inspiring. So please do share with us, first of all, what led you to a career in education? Oh, wow. Um, a career in education. Uh, initially, I have to admit, actually, it was a backup plan. Uh, but <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, <laughs> I shouldn't be saying that, but no, it's the truth. I mean, I was studying for a degree in psychology, so my degree is not actually computer science. Um, I did computing at A-level, and I always loved it, and I think there's probably something to be said about why I was studying psychology rather than computing. But um, at the time, uh, just in case like, psychology as a pathway didn't work out, I, uh, I went back to my first love, which was computing, and I started volunteering is uh, a voluntary TA um, in a secondary school and in my former secondary school. And um, it was one of those moments where um, I was attached to the business studies and IT department and I'd just help out. And uh, one of these, uh, one of the teachers that I was assigned to uh, during one lesson, there was a sort of, disruptive, there was a couple of disruptive students in there. So it's one of those sort of challenging type of classrooms. But uh, she told me to sit down and work particularly with this one student. Um, and I'll never forget that moment because it was it was as I was working with her that I realised the penny dropped for me uh, that the only reason she was disruptive was because she actually wasn't really understanding what the teacher was saying. So as I helped her understand the topics, it unlocked something and it meant that actually later on when the teacher was feeding everything back and pulling those discussions, she was able to contribute, which what the teacher told me was possibly one of the first times she'd actually made a, a significant positive contribution in that way to the discussion. It was, this is going to sound really corny, but it literally was when I saw, looked at the girl and saw the smile on her face it created this kind of warm feeling inside of me. And that was the moment where I was like, I could do this. I could I could do a lot more of this. 
And it was from that moment onwards that teaching became not a, not a backup thing for me to explore, but actually something that I really, truly wanted to do. Thank you for sharing that experience. And it's helping students and seeing them blossom, I feel, is, is really the core of why teachers stick with the profession that we're in. Um, so what would you say is the importance of volunteering? You mentioned that you had some volunteering experience early in your career. Yeah, um, I, I think it's, I think volunteering is, is invaluable. Every, every teacher could do with a, an extra pair of hands. Um, but for me, it really gave me an insight into how classrooms work. I mean, I was still an undergraduate when I was volunteering. Uh, so I, I knew nothing of the sort of education world or that education space. Um, but I, what I was able to quickly understand was sort of dynamics of the classroom, sort of patterns, behaviours. I'd, I'd ask them questions and that was when I first learned about what a lesson plan was. And, you know, I was even able to teach some lessons, which was amazing, or parts of lessons. And, of course, my first lesson, I got it horribly wrong. <laughs> but, you know, they helped me sort of pick it up and, and really flow with it. And it actually became... Um, a really good plus point. So when I went to actually apply for my uh, PGCE, I remember that, that the professor that was interviewing me for my placement said, you do realise we've, we've had people with a master's in computer science and we've turned them down for a place on this course. You don't even have a degree. And I'm like, no, but I have uh, three years of experience inside a classroom. And she said, and that's exactly why we're going to give you the place. So it was, it, it can make all the difference. And I think with teaching, um, subject knowledge uh, is, of course, a key and it's important, but it's something that we can always develop over time. It's the understanding and appreciating the dynamics of a classroom, the, the, you know, what really goes on and that having that feel uh, and being able to understand it to identify actually whether that's something you want to do and pursue it. Because I think to be successful at teaching, you've got to love your profession. Indeed, I do agree with you. And also that whole concept of being a reflective practitioner, I think that's really, really important. And reflecting helps you, it helps your students, it helps your colleagues, and it helps the subject to, to grow, really. Um, Shanila, computing at school, you have been a volunteer within the computing at school community for some time, and we've just discussed the importance of volunteering. Could you share with our audience what led you to get involved in computing at school and that whole volunteer experience? I was, uh, it was really interesting because, um, so this is going back years, I, uh, before, I guess before, just before computing at school formed really, um, and I was not happy with the Key Stage 3 IT curriculum. And as an educator, I was uh, looking to find, you know, what was, how, what could I do to solve the problem? You know, what, what could I do? And I started investigating lots of different things. And I, I started bringing in sort of uh, I don't know, media editing and animation and podcasts, ebooks and all sorts of stuff. And I started to explore um various aspects of sort of including sort of games design and youth realizing actually i could use that as a mechanism to teach programming and as you're doing your research i came across uh paul curzon's work at queen mary and cs for fun um and i started asking for those publications and you get involved in conversations essentially um and it was being invited to a conversation um from someone that said we're a couple of like-minded educators all talking around the same topic. Do you want to join in this discussion? Um, 
and it was an amazing experience talking to the first members of the competing at school community because it was this is this is incredible they they feel exactly the same way i do um and it was that real feeling of yes we could we can do this we can achieve something if we all if we're all in this together we can make a difference Fantastic. Thank you so much. And CS for Fun is a, a favourite. And if anyone hasn't actually come across the CS for Fun resources, um, you know, please do have a look at the CAS website and you can find a lot more there. I particularly like the magic tricks. Have you got a favourite from the CS for Fun resources? I There are so many. I, I love I love the magic tricks. Um, but actually, I think what is a big hit is um, we've often invited Paul to come in and deliver some training to our digital schoolhouse teachers. And he's done uh, the one with the um, uh, machine, the activity where he teaches machine learning uh, using Starburst Suites. Ah, yeah. <laughs> so, <laughs> that always goes down very, very well on any training day. Yes, I think I've participated in that um, activity at a conference in the past. Uh, you've just mentioned the Digital Schoolhouse. Can you share with our audience what the Digital Schoolhouse is and what it has achieved so far? So Digital Schoolhouse is a nationwide program that uh, was really established um, off the back of the Next Gen Skills campaign. So this is the report that came out in 2011, written by Ian Livingston and Alex Hope, um, commissioned by Nesta and the DfE, um, which really was one of those early reports back in 2011 that set out the tone that, you know, something needed to happen about this IT curriculum. Um, so this was when the government announced the new curriculum was coming into place, Digital Schoolhouse uh, really sort of uh, came on board and was initially funded by the Mayor of London. So the idea is we recruit schools across the country. Uh, generally, these are secondaries and FEs. Uh, we, so we were recruiting sort of those subject specialist teachers. Uh, we provide them with an additional layer of training. So they already have the subject knowledge. We focus more on the pedagogy and industry links and contextualising the subject uh, within sort of real-life scenarios and things like that being creative essentially um, and what they do is on a weekly basis they deliver workshops to local primary schools and other schools within the local community so uh, from a kid's point of view they're going on a school trip it's to one of our schoolhouses. they spend the day learning computing in a way that we hope is really kind of off the wall wacky fun outrageous um, but leaves them feeling totally inspired and buzzed and excited about the subject and the primary school teacher because the day is tailored and bespoke around the needs of the primary teacher. So it's a day of training for them. So it's a CPD and a school trip rolled into one. There's yeah. a lot more that we do in the programme, but we'll probably run out of time. <laughs> I have attended one of them. It was actually fantastically great. It was brilliant. Um, how how has the Digital Schoolhouse adapted with the pandemic and those fantastic sessions which you run? Mm, so uh, in multiple ways, actually. So uh, we because we've written so many resources and because we focus a lot of unplugged activities, um, they we've been able to create uh, online lessons. We live stream lessons in the first lockdown. They're now available as recorded videos on YouTube. Um, so they're available for children to follow along at home or for teachers uh, to push out via their online learning mediums for children to follow along too. Um, also, our, our 
traditional schoolhouse teachers across the pandemic have switched. So they've not been able to do physical workshops. The odd school has, uh, you know, when, when restrictions were eased, uh, easing up uh, before Christmas and stuff. But um, there's a lot of online provision. So in terms of uh, creating VLE packages, uh, live streaming workshops. So, you know, they live stream themselves into a classroom. There's lots of different ways. And I think that's one of the beauties about Digital Schoolhouse in that while there's an es there's a core essence of what the program is, there is a lot of flexibility possible around that. And it's that flexibility that's enabled teachers to customise, to, to, to still deliver and have an impact in the pandemic. Excellent. Thank you so much for sharing that with our audience. Um, working with UKIE, that's usually associated with games. So... Could you develop uh, and share with us how there's a, you know, the gaming element that comes into computing and the world of tech? Could you get, sh sh shed some light on that for us, please? Yeah, so, um, so Yuki is the trade body for the games industry and the programme, uh, the Mayor of London funding was time bound, so it only lasted about 18 months. Uh, and then PlayStation came on board as our lead partners. And since then, we've had more partners join us. Our, our current lead partners are Nintendo UK. Uh, we're also sponsored by uh, people like Ubisoft and Sega and PlayStation uh, and others. So in, in that sense, it's been really valuable uh, being able to get their work and support. And what we've been able to do is, in addition to the original roster of resources that we had, we've been able to bring on a whole new range of resources that really takes and utilizes the expertise from the games industry and turn them into accessible materials that students can use in the classroom. So we'll talk about game development and or we'll talk about marketing or publishing a game which actually is all in the computing curriculum uh, or even mapped on it's mapped cross curricula so when you're talking about creating packaging around a game you know you're looking at science and sustainability you're looking at arts work you're looking at also and you're looking at sort of digital creative digital media but it's all centered and contextualized around this kind of very real life scenario so it allows us to take industry expertise and bring it into the classroom in a way that's really accessible and digestible for the students. Okay, fantastic. That sounds really interesting. Thinking about your latest book, uh, Teaching Computer Science Concepts with Household Objects, that sounds mm. fascinating. And I think that can perhaps support parents who are doing home learning and just making computing real and relatable. And it isn't a subject that, uh, if I put these words in quotations, uh, is reserved for geeks. It's in actual fact that tech is for all of us and we are using it. So could you expand upon that, please? Yeah, sure. Um, actually, actually I, I guess one of the premises behind that book or my ideas behind it is sort of really sort of based on personal experience. First, I've, I've always sort of said, you know, if someone like me can uh, work in the world of computing and tech and having, you know, then, then anybody can do it. You know, if I can get it, anybody can get it, seriously. Um, and so computing is a subject that is accessible and should be accessible for everybody. And that's one of the things behind the book. The, the other thing was I'm a parent myself and my, my children are in primary school and I'm a full-time working, uh, just full-time full at work and a full-time mother. So it was really born out of experience in that there were two things that, that concerned me. One, in a lot of the resources and a lot of the things to help parents upskill or work their, with their children to help develop their digital uh, skills centered around the purchasing of equipment 
Um, and some of that's quite expensive. I mean, uh, you know, even a Raspberry Pi costs £30, but to do anything flashy, you need to buy the extra accessories. And that can easily bring you a budget of 50, 60, 70 pounds or, or more. Uh, and for some families, that's like a weekly food budget or, or maybe even, you know, food for, for a fortnight or something. And, and that's out of the question. You're not you're not going to buy that. Um, so that was the first thing, you know, how, what can we do that actually isn't going to cost you a bomb? Just using stuff that you can find around the, lying around the home, be it a player dice, Play-Doh, Lego bricks, storybooks, old pizza boxes, whatever it is. And the second one was, for busy parents, if I've got to spend three hours learning something before I do it with my child, then I'm never going to get to the point where I do it with my child because I just don't. We're just going to. We're not going to have that time. And sometimes, as as uh, a mother, I've only been able to have in my busiest moments just thirty minutes to sit down and do something unscheduled and fun with the girls and um so it was actually we need something that parents could do within a short time frame that could be expanded if you want to that's really the theology behind the book i guess and so it is using activities like where the parent and the child can sit down together and whether it's a dance routine or whether you're uh using there's one activity uh, which talks about um, packet sniffing by literally taking chocolate bars into different envelopes and just cutting them up. Um, like I said, you know, you can. We've got one which looks at machine architecture using old pizza boxes and, you know, or just old cartons and crates that you're chucking away to kind of recreate this kind of three D model of the computer and stuff. But the idea is it's centered so that the parent and the child can do this activity together, and there's some additional information for the parent to help them stimulate that discussion. So, yeah, so it's all based around parents can decide how much detail they want to pass on to their child, but hopefully it stimulates discussion. That's absolutely incredible. Thank you so much for that. Okay, so the gaming industry, you know, we're now in the world of eSports and it's it's massive. There are, there are lots of emerging icons and, we, you know, there's, there's children from all across the world. So... Could you um, share with us some of the icons in the gaming industry that children from all across the world could relate to? So who are the diverse icons to, you know, to, to our young people could look up to? Oh, well, there are um, so many and I I could list some names, but then I'd probably offend people that I have, that I don't mention Um but you know they are. Uh, they, they, these are people that are streaming. Um, these you know they're, they're available on stream. They're, there's people do do all sorts of things. There's one person that interviews celebrities in Animal Crossing and live streams it um, over over YouTube. You can you can just go check that out. There, there's other people like you know there's amazing uh, people like Alicia Judge. Uh, who's a presenter and um, she does lots of uh, recorded videos and writes articles and things like that. If you look at some of the, a lot of those people out there that are putting content, uh, pushing content, be it in esports or wider and streaming, there is a there is a sort of diverse group of people doing it. Um, and actually, uh, the children always the children always know. And I think one of the things about us being able to bring the industry into um, into, into classrooms in the way that we do, be it through our tournaments or competitions or whatever, is that actually it upskills the teachers because the kids already know. A lot of the children already know these people. Some children won't, some children will, uh, but it helps that discussion and it allows those students to talk about those experiences. And it's now it's okay, you know, normally, whereas otherwise, how many children, you know, really talk about, you know, 
the, the YouTube streamers that they follow over the weekend <laughs> and stuff. And now, you know, because and that's not a relevant topic for discussion in a in a classroom. You know, it's it's not educational, but now it is. You see, and and you can talk about it. And actually, it's upskilling the teachers, and the kids are upskilling the teachers and saying, you know, here is this person and that person and that person. Um, and it's being able to get that familiarity with that world and that environment that enables you to have um, and use use really that world that children are immersing themselves in their social life and to be able to connect to that world in the classroom. Absolutely, absolutely. Okay, Shanila, that's been really, really insightful. Thank you so much. And we're going to come to the sort of quick fire round now. Um, so I'm going to sort of fire a few questions at you and one word or maybe maybe a short sentence worth of answers. So uh, what are your tips for new entrants into the education profession? Be creative. Okay. Try things out. Excellent. Yeah. Okay, that's a quick sentence. Um, what's your favourite app? My favourite app? <laughs> I don't know. I use Teams a lot um, lately. I think that's probably because of the pandemic. Um, <laughs> I, I I don't really uh, I don't really have a favourite. I guess, uh, like I said, I'm, I'm using Teams a lot. This is not a quick fire answer, is it? Uh, no, uh, it's all right. I'm... I love Among Us. Among Us as a game, I have to say, uh, is very good. Okay, Indeed. thank you. What's your favourite um, technological movie or computing-based movie? Oh, um, you know, the first one I ever used in the classroom was Mission Impossible because of that whole scene around uh, where Tom Cruise is talking about cracking into that security safe and all the tech involved in that security and how they would bypass it. So I used that scene in the class, that was the first one I ever used. We watched it, we explored it, we unpicked it, the security system, and we learned a lot about biometrics and security as a result. Oh, wow. Uh, it's got to be that one. I think I will go back and look at that one now and sort of see it with a different lens. It's, it's really, really great. Um, your favourite soundtrack? My favourite soundtrack? Um, whatever whatever uh, iTunes music algorithm generates for me, <laughs> I, I rely on the algorithms okay a complete reliance on the algorithms that's a completely different conversation <laughs> the morals and ethics there <laughs> okay what's the best bit of advice you've ever been given career-wise the best bit of advice yes it was to, i think there's so much wonderful advice that i've been given but the pieces of advice that I think have really propelled me forward as a career um, has, has got to be the ones which is given to me on several, a couple of occasions by different people. And it was a uh, um, just go for it, move forward. Uh, don't be worried that you can't do it or you can't achieve it or that you're not accomplished enough for it. Just try it because you'll surprise yourself. And that you've certainly been doing, Shanila. So. <laughs> As we come to the end, what are your hopes for the profession and the education sector? Uh, I think we've come a long way, a long, long way. And it's been wonderful seeing this journey. But there is so much further for us to travel. Um, uh, I, I think uh, one, of the th one of the phrases I've, I've sometimes used is contagious computing. Um, I think computing 
is still sometimes perceived to be a niche subject or something a select few people are good at. Like you've got to be good at maths to be able to get computing, and that's not true. Computing is accessible for everybody. I don't have an A level in maths. I don't have a degree in maths, but I'm working in computing, and I'm not too bad at it. I'm all right. Um, and so. I, like I said before, if, if I can do it, everybody can do it. And I am as far away from your stereotypical nerdy stereotype computer scientist as you can get. Um, so I, I think, you know, I, I, I just want us to be able to break those barriers make them, and, and break those boundaries down and yeah, make that accessible. Who were your role models as you grew up? Oh, as I grew up? Oh, my... Um, Oh, you know what? My my uncle was a real source for inspiration, actually. Um, before me, he was the only one in my family to go to university, mm-hmm. and um, he he is he was a computer scientist, but sort of working working in a different field. And uh, he had a PhD. He was super smart, but he was yeah. He always he just sat with me for ages, and he always pushed me to go forward. He always inspired me and um, propelled me forward. And I, so I would say that I have lots of role models and my um, aunts also played an equal part in that. And it was always, you know, don't sell yourself short. You can do amazing things. Just just go for it. Just go for it. Just go for it. You can do it. And it is that, you know, self-belief. Just try it. You, you never know. Um, I yeah, I struggled as maths as a kid, and he would spend hours and hours just going through mathematical equations and formulas with me, um, very patiently. And uh, yeah, I'll always thank him for it. Excellent, really, really good to hear that story, uh, Shanila. It's been inspiring. It's been fun. It's been great to interview you. Um, I'm going you. to take. You're most welcome. I'm going to take the phrase "contagious computing" and use that. It's a great phrase. Um, I do hope that our listeners will join us again um, for another Kaz Inspire story. Shanila Saeed, once again, thank you very much. Thank you very much. Thank you.